You're listening to the Colts Blue Zone Podcast with Mike Chappell and Dave Griffiths. Inside and outside the Fox 59 CBS 4 Podcast Studio, this is the Colts Blue Zone Podcast. Joined together by the miracle of the internet, our beards grow longer, our clothes grow perhaps a bit dirtier, but once again, Mike Chappell, Joe Hopkins, and I, Dave Griffiths, are together, and we are here to chat Colts. We are just one week away from the draft, guys. This is Joe's most exciting time of the year, as it is for many fans across the country. It's a win for every team. You know, it's what uh, the draft is. It's a time where every team gets better, no matter which one you are across the board. And uh, it's just just an exciting time for NFL fans and for sports fans, guys. This is uh, something that that it could be much needed right now, just the time as we approach uh, a period that uh, that everyone can get excited about and everyone can remain excited about when when all is said and done at the draft next weekend. It's, it's funny on the time I've been watching the uh, Peyton places that Peyton's uh, Peyton Manning's series he did on ESPN plus and I just got them watching the one on the draft starts off with Gilbert and what they did in Dallas and, and then it, it, it's got a clip of Mel Kuyper who you know basically invented himself and became what he is but it, it also it's, it recapped the uh, Tobin uh, Mel Kuyper thing in the 94 draft, whatever it was, when uh, picked Trev Alberts instead of Trent Dilfer. And it's when Kuyper just went off. And that gave us the infamous, who the hell is Mel Kuyper from Bill Tobin? Classic stuff. And that, that's what makes the draft so cool is when you have the draft Knicks and, and they get opinions. And then you have a GM who simply not only doesn't agree, but once you, you to know he doesn't agree. So it's time like that to really make the draft what it is. We're not going to have that this year, obviously, because of the way it's going to be handled. But still, it's, it's going to be a, a much-watched event because there's not a heck of a lot else going on. Yeah, Joe, from your perspective, I mean, you, you have this date circled on the calendar whenever it's announced. And you have more content that you've been churning out, Fox59.com, CBS4Indy.com. Uh, so you, I, I know how you feel about uh, these days ticking down to the draft. Oh, yeah. I, I get more excited about the draft than I do the Super Bowl. I mean, this is, to me, uh, team building is just fascinating to me. The decisions teams make, how, you know, you look at a team like the Bears, maybe they have a title instead of the Chiefs if they would have taken Mahomes instead of Trubisky. Just like all these little things to really decide the franchise's future down the road. You just don't get to see it immediately. So it's so it's always an exciting feeling going into the draft. And then when it's all over, it's like, okay, well, is next year here yet? You just, I'm just kind of waiting for that next draft. I guess I turned to fantasy to itch that scratch a little bit. But the draft is one of my favorite times of the year. So now, what, what, we, what's, go ahead. What's, what's, what's crazy is how, and what I enjoy about it, the, the, the aftershock is when, was when fans say, well, I can't believe that Team A didn't take the, this player from Colorado in the fourth round. How? Did, what, what, why didn't they? Don't, don't they see what this guy can do? So everybody, people are sort of experts or think they are, and, and that's what makes it kind of cool. You know, Joe does a hell of a lot more work than I do on it because it's because I just don't. But I think the fact that people do their homework and they they just they're just not throwing stuff on the wall, it just shows you. And how the NFL ha- has maximized 
an event. It, you know, again, if, if this is a normal time, imagine the crowds in Las Vegas. Back and look at the crowd in, in Nashville last year. So uh, it, it won't be the same. But, again, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. Not as much as Joe. I, I enjoy the Super Bowl more than the draft. But I understand where Joe's coming from. Great show coming up today for the Colts Blue Zone podcast. We'll uh, talk a little bit about the Colts uniform and logo updates, some minor tweaks to uh, to the horseshoe, but not not the horseshoe itself. Uh, Colts add a key component, could be a key component, to their running game for the coming season. We'll look at some second-round quarterback draft options for the Colts. I know uh, Mike, specifically on this show, has has voiced his uh, belief that the Colts should or will or must, you, you can circle whichever one you kind of want there, take a quarterback in the second round looking toward the future. We'll also re-rank some of the Colts' position needs after these first couple weeks of free agency. But we will start in uh, across the NFL as the first player in the league that at least we know of has tested positive for the COVID-19. Fox's Jay Glazer breaking the news on Wednesday night of this week that Rams center Brian Allen is the, uh, is the positive test. Uh, Rams coach Sean McVay said on Fox that the 23-year-old Allen tested positive three weeks ago. He's recovering well. And the Rams uh, shut down their team facility for a couple of weeks following that positive test. Um, and uh, you have, Joe, I, I noticed you have a, uh, a report from the NFL Network's Omar Ruiz here. And I, I love that you included Omar here because he is from... Oh, God. Yeah, buddy, Syracuse <laughs> University. He was there. He was a grad student when I was a freshman at Syracuse. So Omar's my boy. We're friends. But uh, but anyway, this is at least this is this is the first time we've heard of an NFL player testing positive. Um, and uh, he was at least at the team's re- facility to rehab, which was allowed at the time. But then, like I said, they shut down things. Um, I mean, we're, we're still in a time, Mike, that, that things like this are popping up here and there. And for the NFL, it's kind of it's. I don't want to call it a setback for the NFL, really. It doesn't seem like that just since there's so much, like everything's really in the future, the things that matter the most that could be canceled. But uh, it's at least the first um, the first pockmark, I guess, on on the NFL's plan, something that has in, in a way really been um, affected concretely, a person who was affected concretely uh, by the coronavirus. Yeah, I remember the, the, first, the first person was Sean Payton that we heard about. Right, remember right. Remember, he, he tested positive. Uh, and again, what this is what this is going to do is gives you the idea of what might happen. And, and to think that more players aren't tested positive is it, it's going to happen because the percentages tell you it's going to happen. Right now, the NFL is in a very fortunate place, I guess, to use that word as far as pro sports and all sports is is nothing they're doing is greatly impacted or stalled by the virus pandemic because you can do everything virtually you can do everything remotely which they're doing uh the draft uh signing players uh free agency uh they're going to announce the schedule in for the first of may and their 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 intent right now is to carry on as usual starting in september 16 games of playoffs but and i, I think we'll get to this also is they, they will have contingencies on what happens if it start until October, do you play 12 games? But the issue is going to be, and I've, I've texted a few people, does anyone really believe that in September any any city, any team is going to have the okay to put 70,000 people in a stadium? I think I saw where the, the, the mayor of Los Angeles and I think 
the mayor or governor of New York said, you know, they don't see that happening until next year. So, so main best case scenario for the NFL is is games with no fans. Uh, let, let's say that's what happens. Let's say September comes and we're having games with no fans, only players. Okay, you sequester the players at a hotel for the week or whatever, and you're preparing. What, what happens if if this center for the Rams tests positive on Wednesday before the game? Do, 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 you, do you sequester, you know, is the entire team then deemed to be at risk? I, 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 it, it, there's so many moving parts of this can be impacted. Now, we're talking four or five months down the road to where maybe things are better as far as testing. But, you know, the NFL is trying to carry on as planned because there's no downside to do. There's no downside to the schedule in May for September. But it, it, it's got to be written in pencil, not pen, because things are going to change. Mike, you mentioned uh, the NFL schedule release in May, and that is a report out this week from ESPN's Chris Mortens and saying the league does plan to release the full schedule in May, a full schedule, all the games, um, and per league sources, adjustments to the schedule can be made if necessary, obviously, but uh, there's, there's no sense in making those adjustments now. But we were talking about it just, just before we came on that um, there, there might be, and Mike, you're the one who brought it up specifically, so I'll let you describe it, just some, some strategic ways to make the schedule work best in case that things need to be changed up come the fall. Well, it just makes sense that you're going to want to try to have, at the, at the end of whatever the season is, a level playing field. So you're going to want the Colts and Titans and Jags and, and Houston to have played the division. You're, at least you want the division games played. So don't you schedule those late. Don't you schedule other AFC games late in as much as you can. You put games early that if you have to get rid of September, you your NFC games and you get rid of maybe another couple of, you know, the Baltimore and, and whoever else. I'm, I've got the schedule in front of me. The Baltimore's or Cincinnati's to where expendable games are early, important games are late. Now, that sounds easy to do until you're talking 32 teams. But I just think it makes sense to, as much as you can to backload the schedule with the idea that maybe September has to be not postponed but canceled. You're not going to push the season into January to have an entire week or a month of, of regular season in January. So we'll see, but you're, you're at least going to want to have your, your important, your more important division games to where you're, you're going to play them. So that, that makes sense in November and December. And that's the point that it kind of becomes like a, a round-robin tournament, if that's Correct. the case. Hey, yeah, you every division, you play your division, and then it, it, if worse comes to worse, if that's the thing, that you have to cancel some games, at least the one team can advance, and then everybody, after you advance, come on together for the playoffs and everything after that. So that is at least, that, that I thought that was a, that was a u- unique way to look at things, and that um, hey, if you can do it, that that'd be great. Get get the interleague play done early, and that essentially begins uh, becomes that could even become more. I, I hate to say preseason, but uh, okay. like when yeah, when it comes to when it comes to the like just how it would play out, that's kind of what what it would be if if your um your what's it called if your um if your division games essentially right. end up uh, d- determining uh, playoff spots eventually uh, because those are the only games to play. 
Um, so, so that could be in the works. Um, that's the May 9th again is, would be the date looking out for, um, for the, uh, the NFL schedule, still a couple weeks in the future, the NFL draft well before that. And we're currently still in free agency teams around the league are still, uh, working and not just in free agency, but in trades as well as, uh, the Texans seem to continue their uh, aversion to having draft picks have traded away their second round pick 57th overall to the Rams for wide receiver Brandon Cooks. Guys, and Joe, we'll start with you here. I mean, we, we talked about the Rams, uh, not the Rams, we talked about the Texans um, really being uh, wide receiver deficient after trading away De- DeAndre Hopkins, obviously. Well, they, they got a wide receiver now, at least, in Brandon Cooks. Yeah, and I mean, they kind of filled the hole that they created themselves when they traded away DeAndre Hopkins. At least Hopkins. part of the hole. Let, let, let's be very specific. Yeah, at least part of that hole, right? It, it, they filled it maybe three-fourths of the way at best. Right. I mean, Cooks is a player who's dealt with injuries the past couple years. Um, He's obviously not what the Rams were hoping for when they traded for him. Um, I, I mean, the guy just gets keep traded from team to team to team. Uh, he's another deep threat. He brings speed, which is kind of something they already had in Fuller and Stills. Um, so I guess they imagine they're just going to run David Johnson and then have Watson throw bombs down the field all game. It, it kind of seems like, you know, one step forward, two steps back with when you consider the DeAndre Hopkins trade as well. And Mike, uh, about Brandon Cooks, I mean, uh, it's, you bring him in and he's a $47 million left on his contract at least four years right now. So He's quote-unquote locked in. Houston could release Cooks, according to SpotRack, with no dead cap after the 2020 season. So, in essence, it's it's a one-year tryout, and we'll see if this works right now. Yeah, again, I, I saw Bill Bryan said something today about, well, let's not be uh, judging this, this this trade, the Hopkins trade. Let's let it play out. I, I, I'm sorry. I, when, when you have a top-five player at your position, unless, again, Unless DeAndre Hopkins was just a cancer in the locker room, which we've got no indication at all that that's the case. I realize he was going to cost an arm and a leg to resign, but I, like you said, maybe they, they replaced three quarters of the hole. I don't know about that because I've always thought Hopkins was a top five player in his position. And to get rid of talent like that, what was Hopkins? Twenty? Was he twenty-eight? I don't remember. He was. He, He'll turn he, he twenty-eight was. this summer. Yeah. So I, I don't know what Cooks would have to do to to make this trade work out. And and, and Bill O'Brien is trying to put the right spin on it. But when you get rid of a transcendent talent, uh, good luck trying to replace him because it, it's just hard to do. Yeah, I think uh, very few people outside of the uh, the Houston Texans front office are are confident in, in that trade from, from Houston's perspective right now. Uh, but we'll, we'll see what Deshaun Watson can do. Hey, if Deshaun Watson can turn uh, Brandon Cooks into a, into a Pro Bowl, and that's, uh, that speaks more to, uh, to Deshaun Watson's capabilities, I think, than, okay. than Bill O'Brien's capabilities as a general manager. Let's just throw that out there right now. Uh, the Colts this week unveil some updated uniforms and secondary logos, a new font for their word mark. Uh, podcasting, of course, is not the, uh, the best venue to get this out of there because we can talk about it. We can't show you, but you can head online to, uh, our, uh, Twitter account at Colts Blue Zone, find some stuff there. Also online at fox59.com, cbs4indy.com and see exactly what we're talking about here. But, um, of course, Mike, the primary logo, the horseshoe remains the same. 
and it sounded like from everything that we got from the Colts, like that is never going to change. And Mike's holding it up right now on our on our uh, on our Skype meeting, the new secondary logo with the C and the Indiana on the inside. But uh, Mike, I don't know about you. I, I like this. I thought it was cool. Secondary logos. I think teams have a whole lot of flexibility for what you can do. I thought it was good. It looks nice. And I, I, I was a fan personally. Chuck, call, call me a fan of, of this new secondary logo. I'm okay with it. I, I, I could have done without it because, again, there were, they were like, like one of them they showed is the, uh, the numbers on the back of a jersey. And you really had to look to see what the difference was. I think one of them, maybe they were a little squattier. I can't remember what it was. or a little, a little longer. Uh, and maybe there was a stripe somewhere. So I, I'm okay with it. It's a marketing thing is what it is. It's to get fans to get different, you know, memorabilia and, and items, which is fine. Uh, what there's a, did they put a, the, the anvil black in, in, in collars now? And I don't know. I, I'm okay with it. I, I could have, if they hadn't done anything, I'd have been fine with it. This isn't like where the Cleveland Browns had more dramatic changes, I guess. But Jim Irsay was never, is never, ever going to change the basic format of the uniform it's it, it's legendary in its simplicity and uh, i don't think that's ever going to change i, I, I was a big I, fan of ahead, the anvil black i thought the anvil black was a nice touch uh, since i was a kid i was kind of been wanting the colts to come up with like a black secondary uniform i just thought that would look cool and so i think them introducing the anvil black can kind of slowly slipping it into the uniform. I think they have a Nike swoosh on their away jerseys that's black now, so maybe we'll see more in the future. The official draft hat is black, and Mike, again, holding that one up there, the official Colts draft hat, wishing that, uh, who knows if they send that out to players across the country so they can they can like, have them wear them across their own Skype or Zoom or whatever calls that they're doing or broadcasts, the, the Twitch or whatever the heck, whatever these young kids are doing these days. I sound I sound like an old man, but whatever the kids are doing these days. But also, Joe, I don't know if you saw, but again, uh, via Twitter, uh, Kenny Moore tweeted out a, a picture of an all black uniform. Did you see the that? Cartoon. Yeah. Yeah, I was a big fan of that. The all black and then the like the blue numbers. I I think it would look slick. You know, I think a few teams in around the league have these secondary jerseys where maybe every once a year or once every two years, they pull them out, and it's just a little something different and exciting. Is that Mike, Mike what do you think? I, I, I didn't see that. I missed that. Is that something maybe they would do on the on the color rush? Uh, the Thursday. I think they would, yeah, I think they would still go blue for the color rush. I think Kenny was just tweeting this out for for his own uh, amusement and enjoyment. It didn't say, it didn't look like it was anything official from the Colts at all. Like it's. You know how Kenny, he, he's an artist too. So he he posts some of these uh, more uh, quote unquote cartoony pictures of some of his teammates and uh, some of himself. I think it's one that he put together of just an all black yeah, uniform. Yeah. But but I liked it too. Joe uh, Joe liked it. Uh, Mike, you should go on and check it out. Uh, see what see what you like. It, it, it was definitely a unique look. Uh, and uh, it would be it would be very interesting to see. Uh, Kenny even Kenny said like. I'm not trying to start anything with this, but and, and then throws it out, which, which of course, as we all know on Twitter, Twitter is made to start stuff. So, uh, so oh, it, yeah. it definitely, yeah, it, I'm sure something was started by that anyway. The Colts like adding, said, go ahead. Oh, sorry. I just want to, like Mike said, you know, think how many people would spend money just so that they could have the black jersey as well. Yep. Like it's another marketing opportunity that I hope we see. Sorry to cut you off there, Dave. No, no, it's cool. I was about to move on anyway, so I'm glad you did. Now, though, we shall move on 
as the Colts continue their free agency spending to add uh, someone or a position that we really haven't seen a whole lot of or in a good amount of time, Mike, adding fullback Roosevelt Nix on a one-year contract. When I first heard Colts add a fullback, I mean, my first reaction was, what? The fullback's kind of a dying position, isn't it? But the Colts apparently might think that uh, there is some value in having one on their roster right now for next year. Yeah, I mean, Frank Reich has talked, you know, incessantly about run, 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 you know, run the damn ball type of thing. Top seven last year, and they were almost top five uh, with a line with Marlon Mack, with Wilkins and, and Hines. What they haven't had is that short yard fullback to help things out, and we'll see. It. It's funny, I'd like to talk to Marlon. Sometimes running backs don't like fullbacks. Uh, and, I, I'm, and I'm not even saying that. Remotely, this is going to be a two-back offense. I don't see that at all. I remember Edron James did not fullbacks. He likes to be back there to where he can do on his own. Now, short yardage, I can see this. I was looking. It's funny when you think about it. A running back to the roster. This guy in five years and 60 games has four carries. Four carries, four yards with a long of and one touchdown. So this is a blocking fullback. This is a blocking back. Also, pretty accomplished special teams player. He, he, he does all special teams. Made the Pro Bowl in 17. And as soon as they signed a fullback, because my mind works squirrely, I'm thinking this is the first fullback, pure fullback on this roster since. And I had to really think about it. And I came up with Stan. Vigley in 2013. And then I'm thinking of Luke Lawton a few years before that. And then Tom Lipinski, the kid from Notre Dame, who actually caught a touchdown pass against the Chiefs in the playoffs. This has not been a team that's furthered the cause of fullbacks at all. Uh, but I think this, he's going to serve a purpose. He's going to be that short yardage uh, blocker that they in, in the past it was who was the tight end? Ryan Hewitt, a couple of years ago, they used, and in the past, they've used a defensive lineman, Dan Klecko. Remember Dan Klecko in the Super Bowl? Uh, they've used uh, Eric is it Eric Reed. Uh, I'm getting my, my defensive lineman mixed up. Eric Reed, Foster, Eric Foster, Daryl Reed. So th- this is a specific uh, component in this offense and special team. So, and again, it's, it's it, it stays in line with what they've been doing. It's a one-year deal, I'm sure, at the veterans' minimum. So they're doing a really good job of, of, of addressing needs and positions, specific positions at a very good cost to the team. Yeah, it allows you to do something different for sure. I mean, you use tight ends as H-backs frequently. I think m- many teams do that. Um, so it, it's kind of like that, but obviously uh, a little bit different if you want to be a little bit more run heavy, I guess, in um, that specific personnel package when he's out there. It gives Frank Reich and Nick Sirianni a couple more things to think about, I guess, right now and throw in a few more wrinkles into that offense. And it, it's not like uh, it's not like uh, Roosevelt Nix is purely, purely, purely a blocker. You mentioned his um, his career stats. 12 catches is, I mean, it's certainly not a lot, but it's something that other teams have to know, too. Maybe you get a little bit of that spider two Y banana action with the fullback coming out of the backfield, you know? So um, that I think 
I think that we will see Roosevelt next catch at least two passes this year. That's my prediction right now. My bold prediction is two catches for Roosevelt next, and one of them will be a touchdown. So I'm throwing that out right here on Colts Blue Zone podcast at the end of April in 2020. Assuming we have a season this year, and it is at least, let's say it's at least eight games, which I'm, I'm, I'm optimistic that we're going to get that in. So assuming we have at least that, two catches, one touchdown for Roosevelt Knicks. That is my bold prediction, gentlemen, as we enter the 2020 season. Uh, I'm marking that down here so we can remember that. It, the touchdown, does it have to be a reception or does this rushing count too? Just one touchdown uh, overall? Um, I, sa- I said receiving, so let's stick to that. Let, let's okay. stick to what I said. Um, I, I would love to expand it to rushing as well, but, but I said receiving. So I will, I will take that and I will be happy with it. One other thing about, and I had forgotten about it, is uh, he was a defensive tackle in college at Kent State. I mean, he, he, and, and a, a solid defensive tackle. He weighed 270. And into the pros, he just, they, they, they were looking for a better position. He cut his weight. He's what? He's at 5'11, 248. So this guy is an athlete. He, he, he's a hard-nosed guy, physical. So, again, he's a really, really good fit for what they do. We'll move on to uh, our first, uh, another look, I guess, at next week, as we have been doing for the last couple weeks or couple months, really, on the Colts Blue Zone podcast. And um, I mentioned earlier, Mike, your, um, your belief that the Colts uh, should or will or might take a quarterback in the second round there. Or, um, and Joe has his... Uh, some stories up online about some some options at quarterback and some details on quarterbacks in the second round. Um, it's still, of course, not out of the question that the Colts trade into the first round to uh, into the end of the first round because they have a high second round pick. It would essentially be doing kind of what the uh, the Washington Redskins did with the Colts last year is trading, excuse me, trading a second round pick and a second round pick next year, uh, perhaps two second round picks to get in near the end of the first round. It's what the Colts said. You know what? Okay, we'll move back. They take Rocky Seen there in the second round. And uh, so it's possible, again, that the Colts move up in the first round in case one of the quarter, top quarterbacks fall. But uh, there are probably at least three quarterbacks that are kind of second-round picks, second-round grades when you look at all the, um, all the draft, quote-unquote, experts or the draft analysts from different uh, ESPN, NFL Network, Fox, CBS, all the, uh, the sports websites or television stations out there the people who cover the draft, um, there, there, are, there are a couple of options there. And we, we know one thing for sure when it comes to quarterback and the Colts. They do not have the quarterback of the future on the roster right now. You, you, have, you have yourself a, um, a starter for at least one year. You have yourself a backup if you want him in Jacoby Brissett. And then you have Chad Kelly. And uh, he, he gives us something to smile about during the preseason. So... That's that's what it is right now. And if you want the quarterback of your future on your team this year, obviously you have to draft him this year. So uh, the second round is probably when you have the most options if you're the Colts, because that's your highest draft pick, and you can take whoever you want. But um, let let let's get into a couple of these guys specifically uh, that the Colts could possibly take uh, in the second round of this draft. Guys who might be there at 34 overall, at least if you believe in the projections and the mocks that are out there available right now. Um, we'll, we'll begin with Jalen Hurts because he's probably, I, 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 I hesitate to say he's the, he's the most, well, let, let's say it, he's the most accomplished of, uh, of these quarterbacks right now, at least from his college career, from his time at Alabama, winning a national championship, um, his time at Oklahoma, um, and a 6'1", 222 pounds, 
a dual threat quarterback who can uh, beat defenses with his legs. Joe, you've gone a little bit into these guys. What exactly does Jalen, what does Jalen Hurts have that makes him stand out, that makes him a, uh, a prospect at the pro level? Yeah, he's uh, of this group here. I would say he's my favorite and it, it just, his, his leadership, his um, work ethic, his intangibles, his dad was a high school football coach and coached him in high school. Um, he's just, he's got everything you would want intangibles wise. And so this is a player who at very worst is going to be an excellent, you know, one of the better backups in the NFL. And Chris Ballard has talked about how much he values having a good backup on the roster. So at very worst, taking Jalen Hurts here, taking a good backup who can be there for the long term, who can come in. He's won games, a lot of games in college, and he's played a lot of games in college. Improved greatly as a passer at Oklahoma. Very dis- different kind of system than what he was working with at Alabama. Um, so he's a player who you, go, who you take and you go, okay, at very least we have a good backup for the future. And he's a guy who could develop into a starting quarterback. He reminds me a lot of a guy like Tyrod Taylor, um, who has been a winning quarterback in the NFL. Um, he's won with the Bills. He's had a good career and he was about a fifth or sixth round draft pick um what Hertz needs to work on is passing from the pocket he he needs to improve his timing his anticipation um reading the entire field getting through his progressions um he, he's he's kind of the opposite of what philip rivers is right now philip rivers no mobility he's that statue is going to stand in the pocket with accuracy and timing and understand the offense and with what the colts have right now Hurts is a quarterback where you go, okay, he doesn't have to start right away. We can give him time to work on these things and learn them from Rivers. Um, He's probably the favorite to be the fifth quarterback off the board. So the Colts, if they really want him, might have to use the 34th pick on Jalen Hurts. Mike, what are your thoughts about Jalen Hurts? The only question I would have is, is is he the style of quarterback that Reich likes? Because he's totally different. I mean, he's totally different from Rivers. So let's say you're building your your off season with Rivers, with how he plays, and then he goes down, and then how dramatic change to Hurts if you have to go. Of course, you get reset. So I'm okay with it. Uh, I I most projections I see him behind the other guys though, don't you? Or not? Is he behind from and East or? Or not. So I, I don't know. I, I keep going back and forth on whether they do this in the second round, but you seem rather high on these guys, Joe. I think they'll probably be second round picks. I mean, they're, I, I think Hertz 100% is a second round pick. Um, his stock has really been rising. He's had a very good pre draft process. Um, and another thing I didn't mention is he throws the ball with good velocity as well, which when we get to Jake Fromm it, it is a concern. Um, so I, I think there's a chance from or Eason, the other two quarterbacks on this list could fall to the third round. If I had to pick, I would say from most likely because of concerns with physical attributes. Um, but, but I think there's a good chance all three of these quarterbacks go in the second round, because if you miss out on the top four burrow to a uh, Herbert and love, I mean, there's a, there's a big drop off. You got this group. And then from this group, there's another massive drop off to the next group of quarterbacks. So any teams who miss out on that top four, 
and still want to draft a quarterback are going to want to get one of these three guys because after then there's another drop off. Do you expect is there is there much of a chance that Love falls in the second round? I, I would put it at at best ten percent chance. Uh, I, I don't think there's much of a chance. Um, the top four quarterbacks, uh, the opinions are all over. Some people think Love's a better prospect than Herbert. Some people think Herbert's a better going to go higher than Tua, um, just because of the medicals. So they're kind of all over the place. If if I were to put money on it, I would bet that a team trades up to take Love because when you go through the mock draft scenarios, and you kind of get past, I mean, I don't even think Carolina would take a quarterback. So. You get past the Chargers at six, and then there's a long list of teams who you wouldn't think are necessarily in the market for a quarterback. Um, the Raiders could always surprise you, but they don't need a quarterback. They have Carr and Mariota. Maybe Jacksonville. They could. They could. Um, you know, personally, if I was Jacksonville, I would want to see what Minshew, which you have in Minshew, is a cheap quarterback give them another year. They're probably going to be drafting high next year too. So if it doesn't work out, you could draft another quarterback then. But Jacksonville is definitely a possibility. I mean, there's a, you never know what's going to happen, but I think Jordan Love is a first-round pick. And so unless the Colts trade up for Jordan Love, they're probably going to be looking at these guys in the second round. I, one, one thing that I, that I thought about with, with Fowler, when they, we took, may have talked about this last week, is when he traded his, the 13th pick to get Buckner, it told me that he wasn't enthralled with his quarterback class to where I got to have this guy. Because by trading the 13th pick, you weren't going to get Tua or, or, or Burrow at all. Herbert, maybe not. But you, you might have got the fourth best quarterback at 13. And I, it, it tells me that he didn't think one of those guys was worthy of that high of a pick. Now, what, how that impacts what he does in the second round, I don't know. I, I've come to the conclusion in my mind that they see Phillip Rivers as a two-year bridge. I think that if he has a good year this year, he's back next year. And whatever a good year means, 30 touchdowns and 4,000 yards. Because Rivers wants to play more than one year. And if he can play two years, I don't think three, but if he can play two years, does that lessen the need to get your quarterback this year? I don't know. So uh, so I, I still think, in my mind, they need to get that guy this year. But uh, maybe we'll have a better idea from talking to Chris Ballard tomorrow. Probably not, because he's not going to tell us much specifically. But if this group is, is let's seven deep with guys who might be that guy moving forward with, the, with you know, three of these guys need need development, then this is the way to do it. Because, again, if Philip Rivers is what you think he is, he's a two-year guy. If he's going to get you in the playoffs for two years, you're going to be in not a very good position to quarterback next year or the year after that. You're going to be drafted in the bottom of the, the bottom of the round. So the question is, is, is this as good as it's going to at the bottom of round one or the top of round two to get your possible quarterback in the future? After Jalen Hurts in the second round, possibly you guys have already both mentioned uh, Joe really got into Jake Fromm a little bit. We'll dive into him some more. Um, he's the guy, Jake Fromm, is, his college career is very unique because he won the starting job at Georgia over 
Jacob Eason, who we'll talk about in a second, and then Justin Fields, who is there as well, transferred. So Jake Fromm got the job at Georgia and two top recruits, like number one overall quarterback recruits from previous classes or whatever it was, transferred with Jacob Eason going to Washington and Justin Fields going to, was it Ohio State that he went to? It was Ohio State, I believe. Uh, yeah. Yes, it was Ohio State. Thank you, Joe. So, so Jake Fromm was a great college quarterback, intelligent, understands the game, good accuracy. But you already mentioned it, Joe. He does not have the strongest arm. It's clear to see. If you watched games, if you watched workouts, you know that there is something that is a little bit different about his arm. And you don't have to be a professional scout to see it. Like, rather than, for example, Jacob Eason, who he beat out at Georgia. Eason has a gun, Fromm does not. And that could be more of a concern, Joe, at the pro level. Yeah, just just sticking with Georgia, he almost makes you think of Aaron Murray, who was another very successful Georgia quarterback. Couldn't get a whole lot done in the pros because he didn't have the physical tools to win. Um, you know, it, it's not just that he doesn't have a strong arm, but he he doesn't have the mobility, not just to run, but to escape pressure as well. He's just, you know, I don't want to dog on him. He's a wonderful college quarterback, but he looking at the professionals, he's not the athlete that a lot of teams are looking for, especially in today's NFL where quarterbacks are running more than ever. Um, so that's the concern with Jake Fromm. I kind of, you know, on the low end, I think he could be like a Colt McCoy, Chase Daniel type quarterback who solid backup, smart quarterback with good accuracy, who can win you a couple games, but maybe not the long-term guy at best. Maybe he could be an Andy Dalton, another quarterback who doesn't have the strongest arm. But because of his accuracy, he can win you games. So I just think, don't think the upside is that high with Jake Fromm. Um, he he, he kind of seems like, if you're comparing to what the Colts um, have right now, of these three quarterbacks, he would probably compare most favorably to Rivers, a guy who doesn't have the most mobility. Rivers never really had the strongest arm either. Um, I would say Rivers has a much better arm than Fromm, but Rivers is never known for having a cannon. Um, so of the systems, Jane uh, Fromm would probably fit the Colts system the best, but as far as physical tools, he's the least impressive of the group. From this group, uh, Mike, I think Fromm is the one you would have to talk me into the most um, from, from this group of second-round players. Agree, disagree, any more specific thoughts about Jake Fromm from you? No, it looks to me like what the way Joe broke it down that he is the one that might be, you know, the the the, the pocket guy that that is maybe similar to uh, to Rivers as far I mean size and in you know Rivers is, is has great accuracy as as this guy does. So I again I I I would I would pay I would pay one of your week's paychecks to if he would explain his rationale on how he rates these quarterbacks because he, he, he could just think none of these guys are any good at all. And, and maybe there's someone else outside the box, but I'm just intrigued by how they, we talked about quarterback and I mean more than maybe Joe on, on how they need to address that. Now I would love to know how use it's, it's one or two on their to do list. Or again, if rivers changes things, to where they think they can kick the can down the road, 
So uh, I still think they take a quarterback in round two because just because. And it looks like Easton, again, I've seen some drafts where Easton's a third-round pick. So now you, they, they can't wait till the third round because they're, they're picking late in the third round. But uh, might they move up into the bottom of the round one? Maybe, but uh, that, that's, that's relinquishing another couple of draft picks, which I don't think they would like to do. You get to and if, if this draft was 10 years ago, he would, Joe, probably be the number one pick off the board just because of the physical tools he has. 6'6", six, six. He, he checks all the boxes of the 2000s uh, quarterback, the guy that you, you want coming out of college. Physical tools galore. You think you can work with him and quote unquote mold him into a, a, a an NFL quarterback? Like he, he looks the part, and that that's why he was again a a top recruit coming out of high school to Georgia. Even though after he lost this position there, he had to transfer because he wasn't getting it back from Jake Fromm. He took his tools to Washington, established himself there, had a successful college stay as a Husky, but now is probably in the time that we are not in the 2000s or the early 2010s, he's a guy that is falling into the second or perhaps further than that in the NFL draft. Yeah. One, one thing, yeah. Joe, you had your uh, was it a, you had your second round draft a couple of weeks ago or 10 days ago, and you had the Colts going, what was it, wide receiver, uh, corner, is that correct? Yeah, yeah. I think I had them taking Mims at wide receiver and Trevon Diggs from Alabama at cornerback with their two second round picks. So you just don't see them going quarterback early? No, I could see. I mean, for me, I think they take a wide receiver with one of those two picks. I think that's the most glaring need and the most immediate need. And then for me, it's really a toss-up 50-50 on cornerback or quarterback for the second pick. On one hand, like you talked about, Mike, it'd be nice knowing you had the quarterback of the future on the roster to mold and groom behind Rivers. On the other hand, if you're going all in right now with the Buckner move and the Rivers signing, it makes sense as well to sign players who can help you out right now and who aren't going to be a third stringer behind Rivers and Brissett. Um, and then in a year or two, if your rosters, if you're taking good players who can help you right now, in a year or two when Rivers is no longer on the team and you do need a quarterback and you're going to have to probably trade up regardless, then maybe you can get package a group of picks together to trade up and get that guy because the rest of your roster is so well filled out. So there's really two trains of thought on thinking about it is get that guy now and groom him or go for it now, have the roster well filled, and then when we need to, we can be like the Kansas City Chiefs did with Mahomes, trade up from the 20s to get your guy. Um, so I could really see the Colts going either way here. Um Getting back to Eason specifically, he, he like Dave said, he's got the strong arm. He's got the size you want. Um, it, his lack of mobility is a concern. He doesn't handle pressure very well. Um, not only just dodging guys in the pocket, he's not a guy who you want to roll outside the pocket just because he doesn't move very well. Um, he was the top-rated traditional or pro-style quarterback coming out of high school. Um, went to Georgia, actually was starting, got injured. Fromm took the job from him after Eason got injured and never gave it back. Um, so because of that, because he had to transfer, he has less experience than these other two guys. He has about 26 starts where Hurts and Fromm have 42. Um, so he's going to need time to develop. But he's, he 
has upside because of his strong arm. Comparison-wise, he could be a Brock Osweiler if he doesn't develop and, and get better. Colts or killer be Brock Osweiler. Colts killer Brock Osweiler. Or if he is able to put it together, he could be like a Carson Palmer. Um, strong-armed. I would take that. Yeah, so it, that's, that's kind of the range you're looking at with Eason. Um, I think he is worth a second-round pick as well. Um, it's just three very different kinds of quarterbacks um, when we're looking at these guys. So it's kind of what flavor do the Colts want if they choose to take a second-round quarterback? So the main, the main question that they're going to have is, do you find your quarterback of the future now, or do you kick the can? That's, it, it's either or. It is. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, it, you, you, go ahead, Joe. Go ahead. I was going to say, if you, if you wait later in the draft and say, you know, let, let's take the wide receiver and the cornerback, win now, and wait for someone else. I mean, you look at the success, success rate of first-round quarterbacks, and it's definitely below 50%. The longer you wait, the more, I don't want to say you're throwing away a pick, but the chances of your quarterback being successful are lower and lower and lower. So I think... I, I, yeah, I, I've seen guys... Mock drafts where they're having a cold sick back in round four or five. I wouldn't do it for what I, I just, if you want your quarterback to develop a guy, you think can be the guy you do it in round, round three. As you said, there's no, there's no giving up guys. You're 50, 50 in round one to think you're going to get a Tom Brady in, in the sixth round is delusional. So if you're committed to getting your guy get with one of your first three picks, if not, then don't waste a fifth or sixth round pick on the guy. And Mike, I'll add that today, as we film this Colts Blue Zone podcast, April 16th is the 20 year anniversary of the New England Patriots taking Tom Brady in the sixth round of the NFL draft. Also on Bill Belichick's birthday. So happy birthday to Bill and uh, happy anniversary to the New England Patriots taking Tom Brady today. My goodness. Yeah, and they, they knew what they were getting, right? They knew. Oh, they completely. Picked. Was he picked like 199 when you count pick compensatory yep. pick? Yep. Yes, he was. That was that's like the Colts. There, there was one year they picked. I, I can't remember who it was. Whether it was a Jeff Arad or somebody. Well, even Robert Mathis. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah, we knew what we were getting. No, you didn't. You didn't know you were getting a time sack leader. You you would have taken him in round two. So they they got lucky. Good for them. But to to think you're going to get your quarterback of the future in round round six, I I just think. You're so against it. If you want your guy now, get him early. If you don't get him early, then get somebody. I'd, I'd rather get a guy in round five or round six that's going to be your fourth or fifth corner linebacker, a special, an offensive line development quarterback. So let's get into re-ranking the Colts' positions of need. We've seen a couple weeks of free agency now and trades able to happen. The Colts' roster is already far different now than it was at the start of the new league year in the middle of March. Uh, So we've had about a month to sit on it, marinate it, and change it up a little bit. Um, And I think this will provide a good springboard into next week when we'll really get into uh, some more specific uh, players and specific ideas for what the Colts can do with uh, with their draft. Their top five picks of the draft, I'll just say it. Their top five picks are 34th overall, 44th, 75th, 122nd, and 160th. So those are the first four times, five times at least right now, before trades go through, the Colts will pick. 34 and 44 will probably have the uh, the most intrigue among them, obviously so. 
But let's let's break down what we think the Colts' top positions of needs are, because I think that we'll get into some of these positions next week when we talk about specific players and the upcoming NFL draft. So, uh, Mike, I'll start with you. What do you think the top Colts' positions of needs are right now after these first couple weeks of free agency are in the books? I was going to leave quarterback out, but I won't. Just If, if we're going to go with what I think, I'd say quarterback, whatever, tight end, corner, and, and then an off, offensive line depth. Uh, even if I took quarterback off of there, I'd go wide receiver, tight end, corner. Uh, all three positions, I can argue strong. I can I can argue stronger for wide receiver and tight end than I can corner. Although I understand Joe going second round corner, but th- th- that's uh, those positions are they they need addressing right to help right now, but to help you long term as well. Yeah, I I agree. I'll get to you in a second. I'm gonna I'm gonna echo your comments, Mike. That I, I think that. Um, Right now, wide receiver is the most glaring need on this roster. T.Y. Hilton's great. Everybody on this on this Skype call loves T.Y. Hilton. We love us some T.Y. Hilton on the Colts Blue Zone podcast. But after that, you can really like Paris Campbell and still admit that wide receiver is a big need on this Colts roster because Paris Campbell is an entirely unproven commodity. Did he flash a little bit last year? Sure. But he was incredibly limited. So you really don't know what you have right now with a guy like Paris Campbell. After him, you have Zach Paschal. We love ourselves some Zach Paschal on this Colts Blue Zone podcast, too. He was a big surprise last year. I love talking to him in the locker room. He's honest. He's open. He's forthcoming. He was a playmaker at times for them last year, but he's not your downfield playmaker that you need to be a game breaker in the NFL. So wide receiver or some big playmaking tight end. I I think I put tight end alone in the top five, too. I'll have quarterback up there as well. If you're talking about looking at the entire Colts franchise, if you look at the future, quarterback has to be in your top needs for this roster right now. If you do wide wide receiver now, if you say for the future, quarterback would probably surpass wide receiver for number one need, in my opinion. After that, I still think you need help on the defensive interior. It is awesome that you get DeForest Buckner. He is one guy. It'd be nice to have a little bit of help alongside him because last year when you had Marcus Hunt and Danico Autry, you really had nothing between those two, nothing of great significance. I know Hunt's gone right now. Autry's still on the team. You got Grover Stewart there. That That's three guys if you have Buckner along with Autry and Stewart. I don't know. That's probably not going to be enough. You want at least one other person there to get some good rotation who will be a significant contributor to this team, and I don't think it's on there right now. Offensive line, you need some guys on the offensive line. to you, you need bodies. As we've said before on this podcast, it was a big aberration last year that the Colts starters basically played start to finish. Yes, there were a couple times that Ryan Kelly was knocked out. You had to get the backup center in, but you, you still need some depth on the offensive line as well. And so I, I think those positions are wide receiver, tight end, quarterback, defensive uh, interior and offensive line are my five biggest needs right now, looking at all this, all the Colts roster. I can see where you want to put cornerback in there, Joe, as you had them take a cornerback in the second round. And there's some good talent at cornerback, and that's maybe a good reason to take a cornerback high, higher in this draft and some of these other positions. But um, as of right now, that that's at least my top five is how I look at it on the Colts roster. What do you think there, Joe? Mine I get at number one, I think wide receiver either one or two for all of us is pretty clear, not only because of the immediate need, but long-term as well. I mean, 
T.Y. Hilton, I, I think he still has several good years in him, but he's on the wrong side of 30. So, uh, you know, uh, not only immediate, but long-term at wide receiver. Quarterback, I put number two just because they don't have anyone signed for 2021. So I, I would think that's certainly a need. Number three, I do have cornerback. I think the signings they made of Rhodes and Carey this offseason are Band-Aids. Um, Rhodes has struggled for a couple years now. He's getting older. Um, I, I don't think it's – those signings make the need not as immediate, but I still think adding another starting cornerback is a big need for um, the team. And like you said, Dave, there are going to be some good corners available in that second round. So they can pluck their starter and have their starting three with more Rocky Sin, who I think is going to be very good next year, um, and have a nice trio back there. Fourth, I put offensive line just because – there's no way all five starters start every game again this season, and they lost depth with Joe Haig leaving. Um, I believe uh, the the center left as well. I'm blanking on his name right now. Andrews. Yes, yes, Andrews, I believe, yeah, that's it. I believe he uh, left in free agency as well. So when someone goes down, and heaven forbid it be a tackle like Costanzo or someone like that, um, when someone goes down, the Colts can't feel good about who they have back there right now and then fifth I put tight end just because they did lose Ebron um, Frank Wright loves the two tight end sets and having another um, pass catching weapon especially someone with size would really help out Philip Rivers in that offense I like I, neither of you guys mentioned defensive interior and I talked about it for a little bit um, do you disagree with me? Do you just think it's a little bit beneath uh, beneath your lists? Uh, what what what's the deal here? I think they've got bodies. One guy you didn't mention was Sheldon Day, the kid from uh, Warren. I completely forgot about Sheldon Day. You're right. Sorry and about that. Yeah, Sorry. They have they have sort of an unknown, which isn't a good thing in Tyquan Lewis. Uh, I mean, I, I don't know how this you're expecting Tyquan Lewis to be a a difference maker. He was a second round pick. So I, I think they, they've got a good group of top, top players w- with the, uh, the Justin Houston, Kamoko Ture, Al-Qaeda Muhammad. I think they've got the body. So I, I, I think what they've done in the off season with Buckner and day really addresses that line, that group pretty well. Again, you can only have eight or nine and I, I think if, if, if Taekwon Lewis can have finally emerge and D'Amico Autry can come back and play like he did two years ago, it could be a pretty good group as it stands. Yeah, I probably would have put D-Tackle maybe the six on this list. I think they could continue to add to defensive line, um, especially at tackle because you already have a couple young defensive ends who you'd like to give them a chance to develop and get out there and see what they could do. I would have put defensive tackle six, but I agree with Mike because of the additions that they have made. And I mean, that's five defensive tackles between Buckner, Day, Stewart, Autry, and Lewis. Um, so I think you're five deep at the position right now. And you could argue Buckner and Grover Stewart's probably a top, that duo is probably top half in the league. And, and that's carried by Buckner's talent. I was going to say, but, Buckner puts it there by himself. <laughs> yeah, Buckner puts it there. But Stewart, I thought, played solid last year for, yep. you know, they're not going to ask him to get back there and penetrate and make sacks. He's a player who's going to stack and shed, um, you know, nose tackle type player more so than um, the penetrating player that Buckner is. But 
Um, we can talk about this more in the offseason, but I think for right now and for the future, defensive tackle is solid, but I could see them adding more talent. So we'll get plenty into some uh, more opportunities for the Colts in the draft next week on the Colts Blue Zone podcast. But uh, that's going to wrap us up for this week. I had uh, plenty to say around uh, the Colts roster about some different uh, different uniforms and logos and around the NFL as well. Uh, we hope you uh, download and subscribe for the future. Get this downloaded to your podcast listening device every week and follow us on Twitter at Colts Blue Zone to uh, hear from us throughout the week as news breaks regarding the Colts. We'll be on there, um, on there providing it for you between podcast sessions. Uh, you can follow Joe on Twitter at Roto Street Joe. You can follow Mike is at mchapel51. You can follow me at Dave G underscore sports. Once again, thanks for listening to the Colts Blue Zone podcast, and we will see you next week for our full NFL draft edition. Until then, take care.